As the world moves increasingly towards the mainstream adoption of Bitcoin and other digital assets, Moon Mortgage will make it possible to materialize your assets in real estate. Through the collateralization of mortgages with Bitcoin and other digital assets, Moon Mortgage will be launching lending solutions to allow investors to easily leverage their assets to purchase investment in owner-occupied properties. Moon Mortgage's crypto mortgage will be launching soon for home buyers in Texas, Florida, and Colorado, and will be open to investors in most states across the U.S. for investment properties. Welcome to the future of mortgages. Visit moonmortgage.io today to register your interest and learn more. Moon Mortgage Residential is registered with the NMLS under number 235334. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Good to, good to be here, guys. Yeah, we were just in on another call, but very, very excited for this conversation, Jeff. It's it was uh, it was a lot of fun seeing you down at Pacific Bitcoin a week or so ago, and really loved picking your brain about what you're doing, kind of in the private equity space on the on the Bitcoin side. I think a lot of people in the audience will have fun hearing about what you're doing and what kind of projects are happening on Layer Two and beyond on Bitcoin. So, love to pick your brain on all of that as this conversation goes on. So I don't know if we want to start just kind of with your general take on where we are right now. Like, you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening, whether it's FTX, SBF, you know, digital assets, grayscale, everything going on everywhere just seems kind of crazy. It feels crazy out there. Feels like a clown world. And so I'd love love it if we could get into just kind of what are your thoughts? So, you know, from a from kind of the 50,000 foot view with where we are, where the world is right now, what what do you think about Bitcoin right now? Is is it really dead like the headlines say? And why is why isn't why isn't more happening with SBF and everything going on? It, it seems like he's kind of just lounging in the Bahamas and speaking at conferences right now. So what's going on in this crazy crown world? Let's let's get your take on it just to start up. <laughs> just that. Well, and it just comes back it's just a really simple premise and you know i've said this a million times the the natural productivity that should flow to all humans and as technology progresses or we create create we solve problems should reduce prices it's not because we live in a system that controls those prices and has to make them up to protect protect otherwise debt that would collapse which the entire system is built on and that means you have to introduce misinformation in money because all money is, is information. And people are looking through that misinformation all around the world and, and, and leaning in to try to create more of what they think they want, more money, to try to escape that system. And it's just feeding back into that. So the, so, so the, and many people in the Bitcoin space know this already. If you're self-custodying in Bitcoin, you're just a, you're just completely away from all of that noise as it's disintegrating and getting worse and worse and worse. It does have major repercussions because it's a world we all live in right now and as that transitions. But, but the, all of the, I think the, all of this is predictable out of what must happen in money. So, so why is it predictable? Like what about fiat incentivizes this kind of clown world behavior and what makes bitcoin different what what is bitcoin incentivized well, well the, the whole fiat experiment it's a, essentially comes down to we're going to transfer wealth unnaturally we're going to we're going to steal the productive capacity of humans and transfer to some people to to pretend we can look after those other humans better 
that's ultimately what the entire thing uh, com- comes down to. So you're you're stealing your that transfer is theft, and you're stealing it from some people to others. You don't you and and you don't, why we don't notice it. We don't notice it at two percent theft or one percent theft, but but when it turns into ten and twenty percent theft we start to notice it. Like somebody walking into your house and stealing 1% of your stuff each year, you might not notice it being gone. But all of a sudden you start noticing that theft at, the, at a greater rate. Uh, ultimately, Jeff, and you know that it, it, many people on this call know this, it, it, it's, the entire system relies on something that, that has to do that to survive. It require, and, and all of the defense of that system is really a defense of, I believe that we should make debt cheaper or transfer more to be able to function, to be able to run a productive society. The hardest thing to understand is Bitcoin is, so that's the world we've always lived in and we've, we've typically gone to war to reset. The, and Bitcoin is a nonviolent transition to the other side. All people have to do is move to the other side and spend more, more of the, move into Bitcoin and spend more of the time there. But we've never seen something like Bitcoin as humans before. So that may, and, and so if there was a system that's before people, if they didn't understand what Bitcoin was, if there was a system that was able to take that power out of human hands forever, that would be, that would be quite a remarkable achievement. But, but, but it would also mean that all of the people benefiting from that system would probably try to fight that, that, that innovation or that discovery or invention, whatever you want to call it. So I think that's just where we are. And we're in the now they fight you stage. How long do you think the, the we, and just for people in the audience, so, so the, the, they, they have the four stages, right, of, of accepting a new technology. First, they, they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, and then you win. So, so to Jeff's point, he's saying we're, we're at about stage three right now, then they fight you. And this, this can be kind of a painful stage for sure. It's basically when the, the cultures clash and, and things get serious. What, what do you think, Jeff? How long does this then they fight you phase last? Is this just like a, a year, a couple years? Do you think this may go on for decades? What's, what's your read on it? Oh, it, it, it's hard to say that specifically. If, it's actually why I spent so much time. So if you understand the plumbing of both systems, you understand, and, and that's what I went through. I, I probably understood the plumbing of the existing system more when I went through my book. And then, and, and, and at the end of my book, I just left over the opportunity of Bitcoin. But I was probably not as deep as I am, up to, certainly I wasn't as deep as I am today on Bitcoin, is understanding that it's literally unstoppable. And if you understand that it's unstoppable, and it's just based on truth, the question goes, why would you want to stop it? If it's a better technology of money and is based on truth and it produces a, a, a better return for, I mean, a better society for all humans, what would your advantage be in stopping it? And so, but, but how long is this going to play out? It's going to be chaotic. It's going to be really chaotic. Monopolies don't die over, network effects don't die overnight. They're, 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 they're persistent. And there's a lot of things that are going to be thrown at this uh, along the way. But it, it doesn't, I kind of zoom out, I, I zone out from all of that because I'm not really in this for price. In fact, if you measure, 
I've said this many times, but if you measure actually what's really happening with Bitcoins with a lag is that all prices will fall against Bitcoin forever. It's not Bitcoin price going up. People that are measuring Bitcoin price going up are, are actually defaulting to the mismeasurement of the currency that they're using. I love it. What, and then, hey, Dylan, you should jump in here after this. But so one other question for you, because this is something I think about life, life on a Bitcoin standard. Say, say things happen sooner, sooner than later. And we get on a Bitcoin standard. Let, let's call it 10 years just to be fun. I, I don't think it happens that fast, but maybe it does. What happens to things like investing? What happens to, you know, private equity? What happens to investing in the stock market and like bonds? Do bonds even exist and, or do they look completely different at that point? What's your view of the world if, if we were to go on to a Bitcoin standard? Okay, we are going to go on a Bitcoin standard. It's just a matter of time and which countries do it first and such. But, uh, but, but fear and greed will still exist in any market. And let's use the FTX still, and it's going to be re- way better at this, or yield on yield offering products, similar to what a bank would do. If because of a fractional reserve system, and a, and a bank, if you offered more yield, you'd get more people chasing your bank. Then another bank would offer more yield than you, and you'd, cha- you'd, you'd chase up to a point where where the, nothing would be backing it, and the government would have to come in and, and save the day. That same thing happens in in crypto land because because of no counterparty risk uh, no counterparty risk on bitcoin and a free market that says oh if i create this other coin and i say or tie my leveraged bitcoin and say i have it i can offer yield and and if i offer more yield than somebody else uh, i'll gain those people coming into my my ecosystem and it works until it doesn't, and then it unwinds to zero because of the counterparty risk, and nobody's going to save it. And so, if you just said fear and greed in all markets, we can we can expect fear and greed to remain as part of human nature. We could it's always been in human nature. I suspect it always will be, and that means if people can find an advantage they will find an advantage. Now let's use debt on that and let's use what's happening because these are totally opposite systems. One system we live in today means any debt I take over the long term, I pay back with cheaper dollars tomorrow. So advantage means to take take debt. If I'm on the right side of that, and especially if I have an implicit guarantee by the government that they'll bail me out because I'm too big to fail, then I can keep on creating larger and larger monopoly forever on that implicit guarantee that somebody's going to be, the taxpayers are going to bail me out. But it relies on, on my, my value of my currency is getting worth, worth less so the debt I'm paying back in cheaper dollars tomorrow, uh, tomorrow. Bitcoin relies on exactly the opposite. The value of Bitcoin is going up in relation to everything else. And that means if you took debt, let's say you take debt on, on a Bitcoin standard, then, then it means your real interest rate on that Bitcoin standard is, is going to be more expensive. And that means that you wouldn't fund things that, that you wouldn't, fund, or if I'm an entrepreneur and I'm using, and I'm, I'm going to just blow that money then I'm going to get burned. And actually, probably the counterparty is as well, because they'll come back to collect on the debt and there'll be nothing there. So in that, 
what's what's happening today in that system is that whole debt that we live in today is being repriced by Bitcoin or being completely, the entire debt side is being repriced in Bitcoin and it'll offer, I'm not saying there won't be any debt and for a while there'll be kind of fear and greed will drive drive markets, but there'll be way less, less because you won't need it. Yeah, I, I actually agree with you. I think I think that's the kind of the logical conclusion. It's just going to be it's it's going to take the entire fiat system that we're so used to this credit based system and just flip it on its head. Everything is going to almost run run in the opposite direction. So it'll be very interesting to see how life works on a on a Bitcoin standard. Hey Jeff, I have a I have a few questions and I have some thoughts here, but would would love to hear your input. So recently, like the last six months, has been you know just this this kind of never ending story of, of counterparty risk and blow ups and and, you know, obfuscated leverage, you know, counterparty risk, like we were just referring to, uh, you know, if, if like, you know, there's probably some listeners on here that we're, we say stuff like a Bitcoin standard or hyper Bitcoinization, and they just nod their head and say, yeah, I agree. And there's other listeners that are saying, you know, these guys are totally out of their mind, crazy, brainwashed. And so to kind of bridge the gap a little bit, you know, with Bitcoin trading at 16,000, 70% from the highs, I mean, it's obviously done this before, but, you know, many were saying this is a macro asset, this time is different, you, you, you know, the whole the whole nine yards. How How is Bitcoin as this, this absolutely scarce asset with a credible monetary policy, how does it escape from, say, the same, the same fate of, of gold, you know, an, another monetary bearer asset that got kind of co-opted from the state? What differentiates that from gold and maybe what what looks different this next time around you know next cycle or, or you know a few years from now kind of coming out of this whole uh this whole mess with all these with all these counterparties going under yeah two two things uh the self-custody of bitcoin uh different uh, differentiated set and they and that the network velocity of the of, of lightning becoming uh, peer-to-peer it's forming the base layer of the peer of a peer-to-peer internet with money inside of that network and so what what and you know this but for the other people if you just looked at gold and something pegged to gold and then a bank creating a a, a lending instrument on top of gold you could just say through human nature then then banks that leverage the gold more would win more of the share until a collapse of the system, which they, which not every people would go back to try to get their gold and it wouldn't be there. And so, and, and every bank would compete in that same sense. And then over time, because people would go and try to get their gold and it wouldn't be there, governments would come in and say, we're going to sit on top of that. We're going to protect you from the bank. And it would happen at the government level. And what you see throughout society, you see ever increasing debt running on top of that system forever with no cleansing of the system. And when I say cleansing of the system until a war that resets the whole whole system and the rulers, essentially the winners of the war reset the system. And, but, but that's what leads to these long-term debt cycles and Bitcoin, because of the, what you see, what's just happening, nobody saves you. If you have your Bitcoin on one of these exchanges and that and you've been collecting a coupon of nine percent based on paper Bitcoin, when it goes the other way, it's gone. There's there it, it was never there. It's gone. So that's a, that's kind of probably the first line of defense. The the free market just wipes you out instead of 
moving it higher on a on on a government stack that says we're going to socialize the losses and protect the people in control who created the problem in the first place and then this uh, and 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 then and so if you just played that out then i think uh, if you just played that first layer bitcoin out then you'd say would people create a whole bunch of leverage on it and would fear and greed over time wipe them out but we would emerge with a similar type of a similar type of financial industry that we have today on top of bitcoin with stuff pegged to bitcoin but then wiping out value in these in these big cycles yes that's what it would look like but when you but when you combine the the lightning or kind of when you when you think about bitcoin in layers and lightning becomes a peer to peer transaction network on top of that that means the need for that debt in the first place just goes away thanks for the answer yeah i i agree there i think part of the the thing that's been kind of frustrating but also you know it would it would be hilarious if it would if it wasn't so sad and, and tragic is you know the reality that we have this non-sovereign money that you can verify trip like in a very trivial manner with your own node that you know it's like takes almost you can you can i mean hell you can do it on your phone at this point with with how with how capable the, the new new smartphones are and how much storage these things have and to see you know all these blow-ups where like three arrows capital had a their aum on a spread uh, had on a on a pdf and, you know, uh, FTX had an Excel sheet with an API backdoor for their auditor and like all this stuff. And it's like, well, and, and even like Grayscale. And I, I don't think necessarily that these guys are bad actors. I don't think that actually I don't. But, you know, it's it's very trivial to simply sign with your keys and say, hey, we have the Bitcoin or we don't. And if it wasn't, say, like a closed end trust in the, in the example of Grayscale, you can just pull your funds. With Lightning, you can pull your funds in five seconds. With an on-chain transaction, it would take you know 10 10 minutes 20 minutes and so all these blow-ups happening and you know and like these bank runs on these you know kind of fractional reserve bucket shops uh it's it's just it's kind of amazing that people you know just took this you know this really really big idea for a casino and and obviously this speculate speculation native to bitcoin like but there's it, no it, doubt about it, that and keep keep going with that. So, so when you when you talk about these other fractional reserves, FTX or anything else, it's exactly how the existing financial system works. Exactly, but the existing financial system that we trust in is four orders of magnitude bigger. So it's it's ten thousand times bigger than Bitcoin, than Bitcoin, and we measure our life through that system. So when it manipulates money, when it social, when it when it essentially socializes the losses and transfers the winds to, to, to the centralized power of that system, we don't notice it. Because, but it, it's what's happening today. And if you, just, if you just play that forward, if the Fed continues to tighten, and, and what you're seeing in China is actually, a re, I think, a result of the tightening that they're trying to do, it, this is all connected. If the, Fed is, if the Fed continues to tighten, the actual cascading spiral that you're going to see on the entire financial system, except for Bitcoin, is, 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 is going to melt mines. But, but they don't see it because of that lag effect and, that, and, that, and, that, and the system they're living in is forwarders magnitude. So they're measuring Bitcoin by that system without realizing the risk inherent in that system. The entire system only, only exists 
on a belief that somebody's going to come in and say save the day by socializing the losses. Yeah, it's like it's like the example is you know once once we kind of realized the uh, like a balance sheet leak or you know just their positioning like that that FTX was was a collateralized against you know their FTT tokens with no natural buyers. It's like imagine if the Fed or you know some some uh, omnipotent power came in and was like, all right, we'll buy all your FTT tokens for you. Like continue working. We'll buy this with funny money and and socialize the losses. It's like that sounds ridiculous, right? Like obviously the Fed or anyone else wouldn't buy FTT tokens, but like what happened in 0809? Like what was TARP, right? Like they were buying garbage debt securities that no one else wanted to, to recapitalize the system. And like, what happened in 2020? What happened in 2020? What's happening? <laughs> and, 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 and then people don't realize that the house that they're measuring that's gone up in value is, is, is gone down in real value against Bitcoin. And that's why. Because it's just it's manipulated currency that it has to keep on creating that result. Jeff, I mean, do you want to talk at all about what you're doing with like ego death? I don't know if you're like permitted to talk about that or like some of the stuff you're seeing on on Lightning. We can go really anywhere you want with this with this convo, but I mean, we've we've talked a lot over the last month or so, or really six months about the the crypto contagion counterparty spiral. If we want to continue just ripping on that, I think we're we're totally down. But is there anything else that's kind of been been piquing your interest lately? The Bitcoin Magazine podcast is brought to you by CrowdHealth. With open enrollment upon us, what if you didn't have to pay healthcare premiums anymore? What if you can invest in Bitcoin instead? With CrowdHealth, you can choose your doctors, put aside money for your health expenses in your own account, and even hold a large part of it in Bitcoin. Pay one low monthly total to fund an account that is yours. If a large expense comes up, CrowdHealth will crowdfund the bill for you to pay quickly. Go to CrowdHealthBTC.com and use code BTCMAG and experience freedom from health insurance by utilizing Bitcoin. Right now, through the end of the year, you can get your first six months for just $99 per month. Don't get stuck in a bad insurance plan again. Instead, go to CrowdHealthBTC.com and use code BTCMAG to sign up. CrowdHealth is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for healthcare. Terms and conditions may apply. Come celebrate Bitcoin winter in Miami at Bitcoin 2023. The largest Bitcoin conference in the world returns to Miami from May 18th to the 20th. Head on over to b.tc forward slash conference to get your tickets today. Use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your tickets before prices go up. Bitcoin is for everyone. Lefties, righties, and rejectors of the false dichotomy alike. And that is why the newest Bitcoin magazine print edition is called the Orange Party Issue. It featured articles by President Naya Bukele, Jeff Deist, Beautyon, Natalie Smolensky, Eric Kaysen, Max Kaiser, and Jimmy Song. Get your copy at your local Barnes & Noble's bookstore or from the Bitcoin Magazine store at store.bitcoinmagazine.com and use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off your annual subscription today. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com. Maybe many people read it already, but I wrote a piece called Finding Signal in a Noisy World. It's on Medium. A bunch of people have translated it as well. But if anyone on the call hasn't read it, they should. And it's just what the world would look like in in 
yeah, if if the base of our world, just that if money was just information, what it would look like if that if that information was being manipulated, and we would all be looking through that same misinformation. Compared to what's happening in Bitcoin is an alternative system that had to be outside of that system and untouchable by that system. Not that you wouldn't expect, not that you wouldn't expect every single attack vector on that new system because because that system would be so it would take so much power from the people who controlled power today you would have to expect everything against that system so you'd really have to understand that system at its at its at its core why it was outside why it was decentralized why it was secure why it was Un, un, unhackable, untouchable from the existing system. And so, but what would the world look like? And then as I started for me, and this is probably if it touch a little bit on ego death, where would I want to spend my time? Would I want to spend my time in the system? Would I tr we tr want to spend most of my time trying to accumulate enough capital inside a system whereby every single thing I did trying to, to, to create enough capital inside that system made our world worse for all people in the system? Or would I move more of my time and resources to the new system that I wanted to see? And so the start of uh, the start of ego death capital, but it's not just me, it's a lot of people in, 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 in Bitcoin and other Bitcoin only VCs is really a, an idea where it, it, that focuses on I do have, uh, I do have say where I spend my time. I control where I spend my time. I can spend it with the best entrepreneurs building the new peer-to-peer -peer internet that will form the backbone of society, and it'll move us from the system we live in now, with greater and greater insecurity, to a new system based on truth, hope, abundance. So, and then now when you're in that new system and you're spending your time with all of those people, like probably many on this call, you, you Dylan, for sure, Jeff, uh, for sure. When you're spending time with a whole bunch of people that have a different view of the world and it's based on, it's based on truth. You build incredible connections and, and, and I can't believe I get to be able to play in this new world in, in getting to see all of these entrepreneurs building it's early building in this ecosystem that are going to create incredible value for society. I like it's like, I can't believe I get to the privilege of doing that. Will every entrepreneur be successful? No. Will every business be successful? No. But by doing, by even, by even moving there, they're going to just like when, when I remember the first on the beginning of the internet or kind of 99 in the internet company to go just balls got funded for, I think it was, $25 million on a napkin. And, a, and it's a bad business idea because it was taking advantage of a whole bunch of the hype cycle of the internet. But it didn't change the internet. It, 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 all of these ideas made the internet stronger and stronger and stronger, and we use the value created on top of it. That's reforming. That, that whole value system is going to be reimagined re on top of Bitcoin. Jeff, I mean, I think I, like like most of these questions, may already know your answer, but I don't even know if you want to go down this route, but 
What do you say to the, to the, you know, inquiring investor or friend or someone that comes up to you and says, you know, Jeff, I, I get your passion about Bitcoin, but what about crypto? What about Ethereum? What about, you know, I, I can't borrow against my Bitcoin on chain. I can't swap, you know, assets. I can't do all these really cool things. I, I, you know, I want my, I want something that's, that's not a boomer coin. How do you, how do you answer that to someone that may not be in the, in the, you know, weeds with a lot of the technical, you know, know-how? That's why I wrote Finding Signal in a Noisy World because it would give a reference point. Now there's lots of great work in this if people want to do this, do the work, but it would, I wrote that piece because it would give a reference point that people could come back to on, on why at a first principles level and why, and why, why, if you were measuring this as, if you were measuring this instead of a protocol, if you were measuring it as a product that, and, and, and Bitcoin, the, layer one of the protocol was based on decentralization and security and then by de facto it couldn't have scalability built into it it would leave an opening especially in a world that was manipulating money it would leave a whole opening to a whole bunch of other kind of and i don't want to say con artists because there's a whole bunch of entrepreneurs in 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 the crypto space that actually believe in what they're doing they're just built on top of foundations. They're built on top of quicksand that have to centralize or be or be insecure. And if you have DeFi, if you have decentralized decentralized finance on top of a centralized blockchain, does that make any sense to to, to anybody? Or a, <laughs> um, a decentralized stablecoin? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it, it, these these don't make sense if you just run the logic all the way through. And the only thing that I've seen that actually makes sense is Bitcoin. And, and I'm a long-term investor. I think about where I'm going to spend my time over a long period of time. And, and nothing else passed that test. But I, to, I, now, to get there, I went down to the sand and back up on every, where would they be? Where, where would this be attacked? What would it look like? And then, and then, but I do also understand if Bitcoin, because protocols harden over time and, and you can't build the next layer of the protocol, nor do you know what's available on the next layer of the protocol until it's there. So if you had a protocol hardening over time, like Bitcoin becoming more decentralized, more secure over time, and it sacrificed smart contracts because that would build bigger block size and that would make it create centralization it sacrificed scalability it sacrificed speed on on layer one or scalability on layer one for decentralization and security then inside that well everybody was well well that protocol was hardening and people created a whole bunch of wealth on on bitcoin it would be it would create a massive opportunity in the market to say Oh, that's old tech. We have something that's new, that's way better, without understanding the protocols develop in layers. And so, what's happened is just a total natural market function of Protocoin saying, "No, Protocol One is decentralized and secure." Period. It's it's immune from all the viruses that come at it because of that. And and then. And then the next layer opens up, and that's what's happening with Lightning today. And next layer, and, and you start to see greater functionality coming in layers. Love it. I guess I'll, I'll 
throw you one more question and then I'll turn it back to Jeff or maybe someone from the audience if we get there. And I, Jeff, I know you're not much of a, like say a, a trader and you're more of a, a long-term investor and, and really with this, this Bitcoin thing, I, I can tell just from reading your books, your blog posts, talk to you in person over Twitter, it's much more than just an investment with financial upside. It's, it's, you know, you're this heavily involved because, and I'm, I'm this heavily involved because I believe it, it, it probably is the greatest opportunity we have to, to change something with a, with a technological solution. But with that being said, you mentioned the Fed, the Fed policy, Fed tightening. We're going through, a, you know, kind of at the, at the backs of a historic tightening cycle. You know, debt to GDP, all of these things are, you know, from most metrics, broadly, the worst it's ever been ever. And then coming off of 10, 10 12 years of, of free money, how, how do you think this whole thing plays out? And that's a really broad, open question. But I think you, you start to see some people say, hey, like soft landing, hard landing. Do you have any bias <laughs> one way or another? Uh, or do you think that's all just tea leaves? It, it, it's tea leaves, but it's a, it's going to be an enormously hard hard landing. I th- the, the the best way just to frame it for uh, for people that they can see because they just lived through it is what happened in two thousand twenty uh, with the massive stimulus and printing of money. When you look at every commentator, every economist, uh, uh, the entire system, the entire news, everybody it was nope. Don't worry about inflation. There's going to be no inflation, and then. It took quite a while till people said oh, it's inflation is going to be transitory, and then it took a long a lot more that we have a real inflation problem from from that point, and it's, that's the lag time that I'm talking about. So if the Fed started tightening and call it July, and and we're just getting into it now, then most of the dam that it hasn't even touched us yet. It's not. It's not. And. And they're going, and they're likely going to continue to tighten. And I believe personally that that this is this is actually a China-U.S. tightening policy rather than anything else. So I, th- I think they're going to tighten for longer, and that means the damage the damage is already baked in is is going to blow people away. And we haven't seen most of it yet. We've seen the beginning of it. The the amount, if you just think taxers, I, I would I would suggest uh, or a prediction that the the deficit next year, the U.S. is going to be three trillion because they're they're looking at tax receipts based on the based on the on the printed money and record tax receipts falling off a cliff. And as all and as the programs needed as people move to unemployment and, and such to be able to 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 carry on with the programs i think you're going to see a massive divide here so just lots of pain, lots of pain coming for the overall market can, real jeff jeff before we lose this topic can you can you go a little bit deeper into what you mean by you think this is a china us tightening policy like what what do you mean by that so so to, today if and if if China, when China stopped buying U.S. bonds, effectively you had probably the simplest way to say it is you had vendor financing, and both parties were 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 winning out of that. And China was winning by by low labor rate, and re and 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 uh, and, and exports, and and keeping interest rates down by funding the U.S. government's need to spend, and high labor rates, and so. So that was just washing, flushing currency around the world, and it was recirculating. Then, in I think it was 2015, end of 2014, China stopped buying U.S. bonds, 
and started thinking, okay, well, we're going to do this game ourselves. Similar, Belt and Road would be a function of that. So now you have effectively a, a currency regime that in the U.S. that has high labor rates and needing, needing all of the materials and everything that makes up the, the economy being outsourced to countries all around the world with low, low labor rates. And now you have a geopolitical problem in the, even the mili in military industrial complex. How do you, the chips that go into your, into your military industrial, how do you run that when most of those supply chains are, are, are global? And you have China, China moving into a dominant power that's, that's in a geopolitical risk to, to the U.S. with with those with all of those components and so so that tightening that i think the u.s is going through right now is 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 either you keep on loosening and you empower china to keep that game going and they get further and further down that road what people might have noticed a couple three weeks ago four weeks ago is cutting off the chip essentially saying to china if, if in chip manufacturing if you're a u.s citizen there we're going to cut off your citizenship if you remain there is really a threat to to China's to China, to China's dominance and the more important threat is is this dollar threat and so US is using this this to I think tighten China's debt collapses in that they sparks a revolution in China because there is no way to pay back China's debt and 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 you move, and you try to use that currency. And you try to you try to kick the can down the you, you you try to reset it under a different regime. In fact, one of the different regimes might be moving into Bitcoin in time. I think that's great. Hey, and sorry, Dale. Let me jump in with another one here, just because I'm chomping at the bit to ask this one. You know, a lot of I'll say otherwise intelligent macroeconomic thinkers, when they talk about Bitcoin specifically, they'll, they'll kind of give it, you know kudos and say, you know, it, it could possibly make a nice world reserve asset, like one of many type things, but they don't think it could become the world reserve currency. And one of the reasons is because they say economic growth isn't possible without a currency that expands like the US dollar does. Love to get your take on that. And, and then maybe you can talk about how velocity is built into Bitcoin itself. Yeah, and I think that's actually the that that comes from the, from an idea of gold as backing currencies and having to have an inflation rate and really the or needing an inflation rate in the credit system to be able to drive velocity. And I think that's where the velocity in Bitcoin and the network has unlimited velocity. You can trade, as you know, Jeff. You can, you can trade on Lightning Network. I could pass my money anywhere in the world right now outside of the existing system and it could be back at me. it could transfer for 40 times in 10 minutes and be back at me so you don't have an inherent you don't have this idea that the only way to gain velocity is by increasing debt and pushing more debt so people spend more which is exactly inverse of what so it's the way the system and, and that misallocation of capital eventually actually destroys velocity because or destroys economies because of the misallocation of capital and bitcoin operates exactly opposite to that where the velocity of, uh, 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 we can trade with anybody anywhere in the world and money is really that 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 thing that we use to trade 
then you could imagine faster productivity on a Bitcoin standard. But that productivity, and this is where it gets complicated or hard to understand from the existing system, where a lot of people stuck in that existing system, is they've never seen a system like this where that productivity would flow and lower prices to the population. That's actually why Bitcoin, if when measured against everything else, will everything else will fall in Bitcoin forever. And and one step up, the world requires to trade to trade all around the world. The world re- re- requires a neutral reserve currency. I love that. And that's kind of how I respond to people who, you know, if they sort of look back with resentment and say that they're too late to Bitcoin, not many people are saying that now, right, with this bear market and these and these lower prices. But, you know, what I like to tell people is you're you're honestly never too late to Bitcoin. It, you, it's it's going to keep growing forever. Michael Saylor's famous quote on that is it's going up forever, Laura. And it truly is. And that's just sort of an amazing feature of Bitcoin and, and, and a feature of it being perfectly scarce is that it's just going to forever go up in value, meaning that everything against Bitcoin is going to be going down and life will get cheaper the longer we hold Bitcoin. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, I I agree, and I think the the when I when I think about this asset, and I think about or not asset, when I think about what Bitcoin is, every single thing I've been talking about for years, years and years and years, the hypothesis is stronger today than it was before, and and the price when measured in U.S. dollars is down. Now, if if you had that trade, if it was a trade, and the hypothesis was getting stronger and stronger all the time, without without a break in it. Wouldn't that be the base, best asymmetric trade on in your life? The, the so when and I constantly try to invalidate that hypothesis. I look for it where where I could be wrong, and I listen actively to 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 others or try to attack that. But I still have not seen a reasonable attack of that hypothesis, at least one that I see see as credible. So. As, as Matt O'Dell would say, stay humble and sack sats. Love it. I don't. I don't have any real questions off the top of my mind. Maybe you want to bring anyone up, or Jeff. I don't know if you have anything else, or sure. sure. Yeah, maybe as we're bringing other people up, Jeff. Another another question I had for you. You know, you, you're doing this this investing vehicle with Ego Death Capital, which is awesome, by the way. And I'm I'm all about that too. So, kind of a practical nuts and bolts question. Do you think that, and, and from an investing standpoint, do you think that these investments? in these kind of, you know, Bitcoin related Bitcoin infrastructure venture capital plays will actually outperform Bitcoin over the long run? Or do you do this more as just to help support the infrastructure itself? No, I think I, I, I think I, I think it's it's something that could outperform Bitcoin over the time. It's like asking if you're investing in a normal world, could you outperform could you outperform the currency or, or an interest rate in in this? No, I certainly think you you have to choose you have to choose wisely and you have to also realize and this is this is this is a hard thing even for me get your head around you have to realize that by very nature that the companies that are creating value in in bitcoin will keep driving prices down lower and lower for society and we'll have to continually to innovate so yes they're going to create actually they're going to create kind of more Bitcoin on their balance sheets by doing so over time, but that won't protect protect them from the free market. 
and the free market will attack those companies too. And it means they're going to have to move to the next thing and provide more value as, as prices are coming down. So it, it looks a little different than, than our existing world where you'd create a huge network, networked power monopoly and you would use existing the, the existing financial system to create a monopoly that you kind of rent you could rent seek forever it doesn't the venture investing in this set in space won't look like that it'll look like free market venture investing but i absolutely think that uh, we can outperform I love it. That's a great answer. And hey, let me let me shift gears for a minute while we're, if we're waiting. By the way, if anybody in the audience wants to come on up, uh, feel free. Uh, we have Jeff for about 13 more minutes or so. So if you want to ask any questions, uh, come on up. So let's switch gears a little bit. Jeff, you wrote a fantastic book that basically everybody knows. That's You're very well known for this book called The Price of Tomorrow. I, I It's one of the greatest books I've ever read. So thanks for writing that, by the way, for you. So, so we're moving now into an age of we're seeing high inflation, right? We're seeing kind of peak, I would say peak centralization, and we're moving more towards decentralization, which kind of acts as an inflationary force, I think. Do you think that the forces that we're seeing now, these inflationary forces that have have popped up in the last couple of years, are they temporary? And do you think that the effects of technology, the deflationary effects of technology will overpower these in the long run? Just love to hear your thoughts on that. Jeff, that's a great question. I get it. I get asked all the time. And I just kind of come back to first principles and just say this, just ask anybody this. If we, if we are both the labor in all the things that we buy, and the things we buy and we live in a global community where we're trying to find cheaper labor how can labor go up and the things we buy want to come down we're the same person like everything we we're the exact same person and so it's that connection that we believe that all our houses can go up forever and our labor can go up forever where it's actually going down in real terms because of inflation and on the other side of the on the other side of the equation, we're constantly looking for more value. Bitcoin connects that in a way that nothing else could, because because money uh, money is constantly being. If you could manipulate a money for your personal gain, human history says you will, that we will, and Bitcoin's outside of that system. So what it does is everything that we create is going to fall in price and it's going to keep on falling in price and back to your back to your back at least measured in bitcoin and back to that a simple way i i I try to do that is does technology reduce prices yes no and then some people say well it doesn't tvs it doesn't computers and it does my phone i get more value out of my phone but it doesn't everywhere and then i then i say why because there's technology and energy we find more energy we do fracking today we there's more solar energy why and what what it turns out to is some industries are moving faster with technology and they're overcoming that inflation right but the only reason for inflation the only reason on over a longer term time frame is because we allow manipulation of money otherwise prices would the natural free market is deflationary period I love it. That's an awesome answer. I'd love to keep going on that, but we got several people up here now for questions. Dallas, I think you were first. Uh, what's going on, Dallas? What's going on? Thank you guys for having me. I, uh, sorry, I missed the beginning of this. So I don't want to ask anything that's redundant. But, but Jeff, I'd be curious, like, you know, I know Dylan's a good guy to ask about these kind of things as well, but do you guys, do you think that there are like any 
massive hurdles and or I don't know, let's just say points of leverage that the people who benefit the most from the existing system sort of have the ability to flex to kind of delay us from getting <laughs> to, to the promised land. And like, if so, like, what are those things? And how do you think, you know, we can we can be proactive in like combating those things? It's uh, it's misinformation and uh, misinformation, manipulation and coercion is really what they have. And, and when you say they remember, we are they. if 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 you're in the existing system, racing hard to try to create more money or taking hand from then you're actually part of the system that enables that. and it makes it stronger and stronger and stronger. If you're marching against that existing system on the left or right you're actually making that system stronger. So it, it, when you could, there are a whole bunch of conspiracy theories and such on FTX. And, and when you look at it on the face of it, that you, you, you have this complete fraudster speaking at events celebrated by, by traditional media. And, and I understand totally why that would, that would look like a conspiracy theory, but, and it might be, but, Everyone in the system trying to make enough money to get out of the system is a part of making that system stronger, and and so that ri- that risk is that risk in the end is is just coercion. It's just I lock you because I have to remove your individual rights and freedoms to get you to stay in a system that's based on manipulation and coercion. Uh, so I have to, and and as I centralize that system into a world government type of system or a WFEF type of system, I have to remove more of your rights to, to predict everything everybody wants with my power that I gained from the manipulation of money. And living standards have to go down in that world. Um, I think you see society, I think you see society revolt long before. It was, see, I think you see what you're, is happening in China right now long before that happens but the question is do on bit on bitcoin when you when you realize all you have to do is it's a non-violent protest and you walk to the other side you spend more of your time in that world you literally create the world you want to see in that new world i think that's what we're up against I love, I love it. That's great. By the way, quick shout out to Kim Clisters in the audience. Big fan. Hey, I'll see. Proud Psycho. Do you have a question or comment for Jeff? I have never. I'm a huge fan, Jeff. So I just wanted to kind of chime in and just. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Say how much, you know, and I, I suspect it's going to be happening to you more and more when I've listened to, so, <laughs> listened to you so much. I feel like you're a friend. <laughs> you're hearing my voice for the first time. So I just wanted to, again, massive fan and you were instrumental in, you know, me building conviction. I guess I would like to ask, because I mean, in terms of being like in the Bitcoin community, sort of the designated adult, I don't know if anyone's used that language about you, but that's the way it seems to me, always level-headed, always balanced, always reasoned. I guess my success rate in orange pilling, and this, I guess, is more of like I'm striking a personal note here, with your friends and family and stuff, what is your orange pilling ratio if you... Want to riff on that? I would love to hear it, but yeah, don't feel like you have to. So, so it's probably the same as all of you. The it's it, now, not I probably virtually all of my friends eventually buy some and they start to understand it. But it is it's been it's been way more pain, painful than I would have thought it would be because it's it's it, when you're living in the new system, you understand what that looks like. You think, why can't everybody else see this? Why can't 
what these things they're saying are built on built on built on quicksand and it just keeps on going deep like have you ever heard turtles all the way down well why does that exist because the earth is on a turtle and why does the turtle and and and, and because there's a turtle under the turtle and so these these things that are in their belief structure that i i've found the exact same thing and when i say meet people where they are is because of a realization most people uh, when when you're bit, uh, when you're in bitcoin as deep as you are you you think wow this is the, the entire world built on a lie and so much power in it. You think that there's these, these giant coordinated attacks by, and everybody in the existing system is part of it. And when you're talking to most people, you realize if you say that, you push them further away from Bitcoin. And while that might be true, I suspect it's more just a, it, it's just more a function of incentives. Incentives rule the world, rule the world and we have incentives that are based on theft in the world. And hey, Al Sultan, before we get to you, we'll have you kind of end up with our last question. Dylan, I'm just wondering if you wouldn't mind jumping into real quick what you guys are working on. I just want to, for people in the audience, Dylan and Sam Rule, who's not here today, they do an incredible job with something called Bitcoin Magazine Pro. They're basically on the cutting edge of just some fantastic analysis, both kind of in the macro markets as well as all across the Bitcoin space. Yeah, you know, talking about Bitcoin, crypto exchanges, Bitcoin miners and everything in between things to avoid, things to be careful of. And and uh, and then just about the great truths of Bitcoin. Dylan, what are you and Sam working on this week? Anything exciting on your plate? Yeah, we're uh, just taking a look at some of the some of the latest stuff happening with miners. We could kind of see somewhat of a, a turnover in hash rate and also kind of doing an in-depth analysis postmortem on the, the kind of the, the crypto credit bubble. We've talked about it a bunch, but, you know, going in and looking at at DeFi yields now, DeFi, right, decentralized finance that offer you 1% yields while, you know, the short duration treasuries offer you 4, 4.5% is certainly quite the dichotomy from, from 24 months ago. So we're, we're writing about that a little bit today and, you know, have a, have a free version. Of, so everyone should check it out. Yeah, couldn't recommend it more, you guys. For if you're in the audience and you're not subscribed, it's it's free. We do have a paid thing too, but but the free subscription is fantastic, and you'll get some of the greatest education out there, I think, on Bitcoin and the Bitcoin space. So, just a little shill there. Last question or comment from El Sultan for Jeff. What's going on? Yeah, thanks. I guess I just want to sort of chime in very quickly and then ask Jeff two questions. The first one being, Jeff, how do you see coin state adoption moving forward, specifically talking about sanctioned countries, right? And I ask this as somebody who comes from Venezuela and saw the Venezuelan government leveraging Bitcoin mining and creating their own like centralized exchanges in the country to wash some of their some of their money and revenues, right? Through Bitcoin, et cetera. So how, yeah, I think that's question number one. That, that question probably just simply, a technology, that, a technology that empowers people typically starts from the bottom up, from the people most disadvantaged from, a, from an existing, from the existing monopoly. And just if you look at Bitcoin through that, through that lens, what I think you're going to see is, is the monopoly of money is going to be disrupted by, by the people that are furthest away from that first people, individual people, and then some of the nations that, that are, are hurt the most from the monopoly of money today. 
protecting the core. So, so just think about what the U.S. does. Why, why inflation hasn't gone up a long time ago is because what the U.S. does is, is it needs the periphery, Africa, Africa, South America, for cheap goods to be able to keep inflation down. It needs so that wage deflation has to exist in, elsewhere or in China for it to, to keep inflation down. So that transfer, so in other words, to protect its core, and now that core is getting smaller, and that's happening all around the world, and including, do, does the U.S. protect Japan and Europe, or does it let those fa- fail to protect the core? That's what you're saying today. Whereas the technology is neutral, and that technology is now, it produces better effect, just like... And you can't stop a technology like this from being used by by people that are furthest away, and that and every time every user of that, whether it's a country or an individual user, is making that network stronger for all participants in that network. So I suspect eventually, maybe before too long, U.S. understands that power and and embraces it. But it doesn't matter; it's going to happen anyways. I think I absolutely follow. And just for context, for everybody in the audience, it's, Jeff is absolutely right. Because like a couple of years ago, when before the governments in Venezuela started getting into Bitcoin because they were essentially forced to, uh, losing access to the global banking system, right? Global financial system once you're sanctioned. Um, it was a golden, what I called the golden Bitcoin age in Venezuela. So everybody mine bitcoin next to their microwave if your cousin was mining bitcoin you started doing the same for you and your mom and everybody uh after you discovered after you got orange pill basically right but but once the government started getting its finger in into bitcoin that's when the crackdown started right so military confiscating mining machines the government running now the biggest mining operations in the country me and a couple of friends back in 2016 we had to sell the exchange trading engine that we were building for ourselves to the government, whether we liked it or not, right? And for peanuts. So it's it's interesting to see how this authoritarian regimes, initially they're forced into the camp of having to support it. And now what you see in Venezuela is the government trying to take that back, right? So like trying to, trying to find people if, if they're using financial pay, digital payments, right? So like, Zell payments that's banned in the country. If you do that, they could close your shop and stuff like that. So yeah, I think it all goes back yeah, to and, and, sovereignty and, 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 and freedom and of just, technology. But if you just keep on going where you went, that's why. So you could either you could either centralize everything in very few hands when the government control uh, through coercion and force, and your economy will suffer because the free market is much more powerful in delivering value and higher living standards or you could embrace it. But what I just said there is really critical in also a world that's going to find governments on different sides of that coin. And so what you need flexibility, and the one thing that Bitcoin also gives you is flexibility. You can just, if you can remember 12 words, you can get on a plane anywhere in the world and have flexibility to go wherever you want. And there's gonna be a lot of countries that are going to want you. Thanks, Jess, love it. 
And I just to respect Jeff's time, I think we should wrap it up here. Jeff, if you could just give us a final message here from where people can reach out to you, maybe maybe any projects that you're working on or anything. I know a lot of people in the audience here are, are huge fans of your work. So what are you working on and where can people find you? So I would have said just find me on Twitter at Jeff Booth. But if you look at the, like, oh my God, the amount of chaos in Twitter these days, I like, I can't read the, the tweets. There's so much spam. The So, but, but Twitter is probably best or or ego death capital if somebody wanted to find me on ego death capital you can send me a note there that's awesome thanks so much jeff for your time we really appreciate it it's it's fun to have you as a friend a friend of our show dylan thanks for coming up and chris thanks for hosting to all the listeners thanks for hanging with us for this last hour please check out bitcoin magazine pro the the good work that sam and dylan are doing there and please also check out what jeff is doing both his book if you haven't read the price of tomorrow i couldn't recommend it more highly and check out what he's doing at ego death capital too so thanks all you guys and we'll be back on thursday with american hodl so so don't miss out on that one Take it easy, everybody. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Make sure to also get your tickets to hang out with us in Miami from May 18th through the 20th. You can use code Satoshi to get 10% off your tickets. You go to b.tc forward slash conference and click on B23 or Bitcoin 2023. We hope to see you there to enjoy the Bitcoin winter. Hopefully, we'll be going on the next bull run then. So thanks, everyone, for joining us, and we will catch you later. Hey guys, this is Q from Bitcoin Magazine Live. Come celebrate Bitcoin winter in Miami at Bitcoin 2023. The largest Bitcoin conference in the world returns to Miami from May 18th to the 20th. Head on over to b.tc forward slash conference to get your tickets today. Use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your tickets before prices go up. Bitcoin is for everyone. Lefties, righties, and rejectors of the false dichotomy alike. And that is why the newest Bitcoin Magazine print edition is called The Orange Party Issue. It features articles by President Naya Bukele, Jeff Deist, Beauty On, Natalie Smolensky, Eric Kaysen, Max Kaiser, and Jimmy Song. Get your copy at your local Barnes & Noble's bookstore or from the Bitcoin Magazine store at store.bitcoinmagazine.com and use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off your annual subscription today. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com.